Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'll be joined by Travis Chambers, and we're going to explore how to create video ad funnels that work. If you have been thinking you need to do more with video ads, you're going to absolutely love today's episode. There's a lot of killer gems shared. By the way, if you want to reach me, I am at Stelzner on Instagram. You can also email me at podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And now for this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in the social jungle. Here is this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? I found a really cool tool by Google for Google Chrome. It's a Chrome extension called Password Checkup. Tell me more. All right. So Password Checkup helps you to re-secure accounts that have been recently uh, affected by by a data breach. So when you are signed in to a site and you have this plugin in Chrome and you're you're visiting that that site, Chrome and or Google will know and even have a little alert that'll say, hey, you know, this site had a data breach recently. You might want to redo your password, reset it, et cetera. And, you know, if you're not up to date with what sites out there have had data breaches recently, this is a good tool because security is no joke. It sounds a lot like Watchtower that's built inside of 1Password, um, which does something very similar for the 1Password users, which will notify you to change your password because of a data breach. But in this particular case, this password checkup thing, it's it's a third-party tool, it sounds like, right? And it's not like, it's not like reading your password. It's just telling you, hey, you might want to change your password because this site has previously been compromised. Is that what I'm hearing you say? That's Yeah, it's exactly that. And, and I'm familiar with Watchtower and it works just like that as well, except for the fact that it's proactively letting you know when you visit that site, hey, by the way, this site was compromised. You may want to do something. And, you know, it's made by Google. So Oh, it is actually made by Google. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it literally says created by Google on their site in the Chrome store there. So Interesting. Yeah. And I wonder if you do make the change, does it know you made the change and therefore not alert you anymore? Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't say that once you've changed it. So it may be something where if you visit a long time or I'm, um, you know, what you could do is you it's there's probably a um uh there's a there's an ignore for this site button. I forgot to mention that. that Got it. You know, if you've changed it, then it will stop bugging you because you don't want it to keep bugging you if you did do your due diligence. Where, so. so how do we find this password checkup? So the best way to find it is to search for the words password checkup, two separate words, after you go to the Chrome uh, web store, which you can find at chrome.google.com 
slash web store. And then just type in password checkup. It'll pop right up and you can add it to your Chrome browser. Thank you so much for that find, Eric. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Travis Chambers. If you don't know who Travis is, he is a video ads expert. His company, Chamber Media, specializes in creating scalable social video ads. And he's done work for some pretty big clients, including Turkish Airlines, Nordic Track, Yahoo, and a lot of others. Travis, welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks, Mike. Well, I'm super excited to have you. And today, Travis and I are going to explore how to create video ad funnels that work. Before we get there, Travis, I would love to ask you, how in the world did you get into videos, viral videos, ads, all that stuff? Start wherever you want to start with your story. Yeah, it was back in uh, 2011 or, you know, that era when YouTube was starting to take off and my wife and I made this kind of stunty video and it got picked up on, we, we went and interviewed on Good Morning America and... Uh, Tell us what you did. <laughs> it was it was called um, The Real Meaning of MPH. It was me asking my wife, if you're going 80 miles per hour, how long does it take you 80 miles? And and we just we just did this like dumb blonde sketch, you know, we're both we both consider ourselves like aspiring comedians, I guess. And it, uh, it, it just, it just blew up like organically. Wow. And so I, I kind of got thrown into this world. We made like 40 grand on ad revenue for this YouTube video. And, and we did this big circuit national circuit and we, we were just finishing college. So got thrown into this world with, you know, the Devon super tramps and the, uh, you know, Lindsey Sterling's and, and all those people who were kind of doing a lot of cool stuff on YouTube back then. And that ended up turning into a job at uh, Crispin Porter and Bogusky in LA. It's like the... Let me ask you before you go there. Um, yeah. Did you, had you been creating any kind of videos? Was this just kind of a crazy thing that you did and it took off immediately out of the gate or had you been trying other crazy things and this just happened to be the one that took off? I hadn't really been trying anything. Like I had uploaded some YouTube videos like we all did back in 2011, but no, no, no serious efforts. And this was just a, a whim type thing. It was just total chance. We uploaded it to YouTube so her, her brother could see it because he didn't have a smartphone. And Seriously? It sat, there, wow. it sat there for three months with like seven views. 
And then a couple of my fraternity brothers found it and they posted it and it went mega viral on the, in the college campus. And you know how that is. If you have like a really concentrated viewership in a, in a small area, it, the algorithms flip on and they think it's some local news story or something. And, uh, Kristen Porter and Bogusky ended up reaching out for, for Kraft Mac and Cheese to license the video. And I said, well, how about a job? And they actually gave me a job, moved me to LA. And tell, then that, tell us about that agency, like, and what that job involved. Yeah, so it was, it's it's um, a top agency of the decade. Um, it was the agency that did the Domino's turnaround when Domino's said, I don't know if you remember that uh, seven or eight years ago. They said our pizza is not good. Mm. We're we're make we made it good. We fixed the problem. They're behind the like the creepy Burger King, um, the, the you know the king. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, so they were, it, that agency was just on top for the, for the 2000s. It was, there was just, it was the king, you know, Bogusky was this like genius. Um, and he just knew how to get PR press, very press, press focused agency, very stunty. And so I went there and, um, and it was, it was incredible atmosphere. I got to learn all these things and, um, obviously got thrown into this viral video world and really understanding it. And I just dedicated a year to studying it. And then Turkish airlines came to a meeting and said, we want to have the most viral out of all time. The chief digital officer pulled me aside and said, you're the guy. Don't tell any other departments about this and let's build this thing. So I built this thing and, uh, that video got 140 million views. Tell us, tell us about that video. Cause I don't think everybody has seen it. What happened in that video? Yeah. So it's called, uh, the selfie, shootout uh with kobe kobe and kobe bryant and lionel messi and the concept was kobe and messi are competing to take the best selfie around the world and um it was the selfie was like the oxford dictionary word of the year in 2013 so it's pretty deeply involved in developing that concept and then i wasn't very involved in the production i i then i just dove completely into the distribution side. And we, we did the largest influencer activation in history. We had 650 influencers we did integrations with, all pointing to the video. We had a really big um, video SEO campaign. We, we had a bunch of uh, celebrities tweeting about it. We did you know, this really uh, strategic ad spend behind it that had this whole like viral seeding component to it. And then we had uh, we we had 20 interns in different languages who reached out to 8,000 editors in in a few weeks. Wow, that's and crazy! So that thing blew up, huh? Yeah, we got over 2,000 press features. It got over three million social shares, and to this day, it's still the most viral ad of all time on YouTube. And um, and then Google they did their competition at and at, you know what was the viral ad of the decade, and that won. And so that kind of set, you know, this path I was already on, it kind of like accelerated it and um, went to 20th Century Fox for a while, led, led their efforts there and then started uh, Chamber Media. And so that that's kind of the whole, how cool. I kind of got into this. Whole, so cham- like a lot of yeah, fortuitous events. So Chamber Media, what year did you start that? Uh, it's, I, that would have been uh, 2014. 2013, I think. Yeah. So, so tell us what chamber what, and what does Chambers Media Chamber Media do? So we we make scalable social video ads, and what that means is we make high production video funnels that convert, and they they're scalable in a profitable way. So just in the last year, we doubled four multi million dollar companies 
with with very high ROI and profitability. And so we're doing. I, I, I mean, I was at Crispin Porter McGusky. We would make these genius creative ideas, but but I noticed a lot of times they were designed to win awards. They weren't really designed for for the distribution. And so then they get handed over to Starcom Media Vest, which, as you know, is like the you know, it's it's the, the the gorilla, silverback gorilla in the media world. They they do all the buying, and it would just kind of get like handed off. You know, it felt like it was uh, it was just being mass produced or something. It was like Nick. It was like the advertising version of Nickelback. And <laughs> so I decided, well, let's let's put the creatives and the production team and the ad buyers all not only under the same roof but at the same table. Mm. So that's so that the content is being developed for its end use, not not to, you know, not to pander for awards and yada yada yada. That's, so that's awesome. What we did. That's, that's awesome. What we did. Yeah. Yeah. And today, I would imagine you don't just work with mega corporations. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. So we started out working with Fortune 500 brands, interestingly enough, because they wanted viral hits, they wanted viral video, and so that's what we did. Um, and, and, and the course of a couple of years, the, the ad tech got better, you know, YouTube tracking got better. Um, and then Facebook, Facebook ads started becoming a thing. And, and then, you know, a year and a half, two years ago started to outperform YouTube. And so we started to, to shift slowly into conversion based. So we, we went, we started to slowly shift away from organic viral seeding and distribution and more to converting, acquiring customers, doing it at scale. And as we did that, we started to realize there's this huge underserved industry of companies that are, you know, one to a hundred million dollar companies that um, they don't want to have an agency of record with a huge office in LA. They they don't care about that. They don't want to do Super Bowl ads. They just want to acquire customers and and they want to do it profitably. They're not at the size where they can just throw dollars at brand awareness like Nike does and look at the overall lift. They need attribution. They need, they need that, um, that, that tracking. And so, so we started to more pivot into those types of companies. And it's been really rewarding because not a lot of the bigger agencies are going after those companies. And, um, and, and their goals, the, these mid-sized companies, their goals are really aligned with, with our goals. That's I awesome. Mean, I hate to say it. We, we just did a campaign with, with 1-800-Flowers and you know, we're just like, well, you know, how is this doing? Because we just made the video and gave it to their in-house distribution team. And they're not they're not really doing what we would do. They're just looking at the overall lift. Got it. And they're saying, yeah, it's working. And it, But there's it's just not going down as deep as it should into the attribution. Well, that's a good setup, I think, for what we're going to talk about today. Because um, we're going to get into the, the, the video funnel. But before we do that, I did want to ask you, like, why do you believe video ads work on social and what do you want to say to people who maybe aren't considering using video ads yeah you know they say a photo is worth a thousand words so you know you've got a 25 or 30 uh frame per second video well then you've got millions of words and it's there's there's just nothing more persuasive than than audio visual content as opposed to an image and you know images were crushing it on Facebook a couple of years ago, but as time goes by, there's more competition. The ad inventory gets more saturated, ad, ad costs go up. And so the only way, and we hear this from almost every company we talk to, and even agency founders I talk to, 
uh, are all seeing the same thing. The only way to really get into that next level of performance as, as performance is dropping across the board is to really nail and nail video and to nail the creative. Awesome. So, um, let's spend some time unraveling the video funnel. Um, first of all, what the heck is a video funnel? Talk to us. Yeah. So when we talk funnels and especially in in this world, I think for this audience, when we talk funnels, everyone thinks website funnels, right? So once you get to the website, the funnel is what is the tripwire? What is the upsell and the side sell and the town sell? What's the, what's the email sequence after that? What's that? So, so that's what people usually think of when they think of a funnel. And, and I still think a majority of people, even in our industries that are really even conversion focused, still put most of the efforts there. But what we've found is that you can apply that same funnel philosophy and thinking to prospecting and to and bringing customers from the from the traffic side. And so we've started to, in the last couple of years, dive really deeply into um, bringing people in, in the high funnel with a long form video and then continuing to retargeting them in, in a very strategic way. And what we found is you can actually get a majority of the way through what most people would traditionally consider a funnel uh, bef- before they even purchase, before they even have you know been to your website multiple times. And so it's, it's kind of a new way of thinking, much heavier on the prospect- prospecting side. And um, if you can get someone to watch one, two, or three minutes of video, they're, they, they're already very far along the funnel as far as what they know about you. So when you're retargeting them, it's, it's more of a reminder, whereas the traditional way is, well, let's, let's just get traffic. And then once they're here, let's, let's convince them with, you know, a billion tricky things. Um, so, so we've just started to kind of look at the funnel differently. So what I'm hearing you say is the video funnel, if I can paraphrase this, is someone watching a video on a platform that we as marketers do not own and we track how much of that video they watch, and then we show them another video on a platform that we do not own without necessarily them having having ever visited our website, right? So the idea is like uh, Facebook or YouTube, show the video, if they watch a certain percentage of it, show them another video and another video and another video, and they've never even been to the website, right? So that's kind of a kind of a novel concept for those of us that are used to the traditional funnel, right? Yeah, correct, correct. And, and of course, a majority of people are are removed from the marketing efforts if they haven't come to the website in the first, you know, two or three right. interactions. But, but yeah, I think how you paraphrase it is right. It's, it's a very different way of looking at, at things. You have really done this well. So talk to us kind of like, what do we need to know? You know, what are the elements? What are the, I don't know, pieces, if you will, of a, of a good video funnel? So, so what we've, we found and we've, We've done dozens and dozens of these now, and we've been very skeptical and, and trying to be trying to be very critical of our own efforts as far as what truly is the most optimal uh, suite of content, of video content that you could put together to to convert as efficiently as possible. And what we have found is a long form spokesperson video is more powerful than anything for a first touch point. And and I don't want to discredit any advertisers and agencies out there that aren't doing this because very few are because it's it's it can be sometimes expensive and difficult to make th- 
these types of videos. Um, there's what? a lot of brands out there that are they're doing pretty well with um, 15 second product demos and some images. But but what we're really talking about here is you know good, better, and best. So let's talk about what do you mean by long form spokesperson focused? I think that's what you said, right? Video. Yeah, what yeah, what yeah. does that mean exactly? Let's start with the form. What does long form mean to you? So long form to us means anywhere from a minute to five minutes. And Got it. So that's not as long as some people might be thinking. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right? Like uh, it's not like an infomercial, right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's social long form. And and it's funny, we actually run into a lot of people who say, uh, you guys are wrong. We've even had Facebook reps tell us um, you should never make anything above a minute. But th they're applying blanket statements based on data. Yeah, uh, that's normalized across bazillions of campaigns probably, right? Exactly. So you've got uh, you've got GoDaddy and Kraft that are just throwing up 30-second TV ads or throwing up something they made and it's just not – it's not even made for the platform. So, so they're, they're aggregating all that together and, and making a statement that, that according to our data is not true. And the reason that these videos are, are spokesperson focused is because, uh, people respond to a face and I'm sure you've seen Mike, you've seen the data of, um, people respond to human faces more than, than almost anything. You know, um, I, I, I don't think I've seen the data. I've intuitively known that, but what, just tell us more about that. Why is that? So, so I think it's just because that's the way people have been buying products for thousands of years. People would go to the market and they would buy their, their produce from a person and they look at the person and they judge their credibility by how they speak and how they sell. And humans have been selling to humans for so, for so long that we're just, we're programmed to interact with, with a face and to decide whether or not we want to do business with with that face, and so that that's our theory behind why spokesperson videos are so are so powerful. Now you have other um, formats that that work, but statistically, of everything we've tried, that that is most often the most uh, predictable way to to succeed. And I think a lot of it just has to do with with trust and credibility. When you have someone that you can you can look at that is 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 a person, there's there's some like um, there's some recourse, there's some responsibility there. It's not just some you know uh, faceless company. And it doesn't need to be a famous person, right? It doesn't. No, so we, so talk to us about like yeah, because obviously the Kobe was 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 a, was a famous. Give us an example of uh, one of the things that you've done maybe recently. You know, um, just so we can understand what you mean by the spokesperson, right? So like talk to us a little more, like just maybe pick a client and just say, okay, this is what we did. We just did a campaign for creditrepair.com. They're a billion dollar, you know, credit repair company combined with, with a few other brands. And we flew in a no name actor from LA that hasn't been in anything big and granted. So, so you know that we, we've done a lot of campaigns with huge influencers, even that are not, uh, a list Kobe type people. Right. We've, We've we've had spokespeople that were you know Penn Holderness and Laura Claire. These people have three four million followers on Facebook. Their fans know who they are, but you know no one else does. So we brought this no name actor in, and we, we did this video. And you know we're spending hundreds of thousands a month behind this video funnel, and it's brought on, on advertising. You mean is that what you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah okay. on advertising. Yep. So, uh, real quick, what did the spokesperson do? Like, talk about that role, just so people can can understand. Are they the one doing all of the talking? 
Yeah. So we write a two to four page script and the spokesperson delivers the whole script. And, you know, we have cutaways to other other actors like pattern disrupts, you know, to keep people engaged and, and keep them watching. We instruct the spokespeople to speak as fast as they can. We even speed up videos anywhere from two to 12 percent. People can listen much faster than they can talk. Like you could go a million miles an hour right now and I would be able to follow you. But I wouldn't be able to talk as fast as you can listen. So we have all these mechanics that we instruct the spokesperson to use. And we try to, we try to, we push in and we push out every few seconds, even just moving in on their face and then moving out to what's happening behind them keeps people watching. And, and everything that we're doing with this spokesperson is just trying to get people to watch as long as possible because the longer they watch, the more like the more likely they are to buy. You know how it is. The longer it's just an old sales right. thing. The, exactly. the longer you you you're even in that mode, the the longer the more you start to consider. So, okay. so we well, yeah, yeah no yeah. What I want to do is I want you to take this example of this spokesperson who was something to do with your credit report, right? Isn't that what you said? So so yeah. um so what I want you to do is just quickly. Quickly tell us kind of the, the essence of what he said in the video, and then I would love you to unravel like how this video is the start of the funnel and then how the other pieces kind of connect to it. Does that make sense? Perfect, yeah. Yeah, so it's creditrepair.com, and we really wanted people to to fully understand that they can fix their credit and that they can get help, yada, yada, yada. We also wanted people to feel like they weren't being preached to and so we made the video pretty self-depreciating. So we had this spokesperson. We, we, we had a huge baseball stadium. We had like 400 extras there. And she's just explaining how your credit score affects your life. And as she's swinging at the ball, there's foul balls hitting people in the stands and their credit score is going down. And there's, you know, there's a guy that gets hit and his popcorn drops. And then we, we explained the front row seats are the people with good credit and they're paying a normal price for a hot dog, and the people in the back are paying double, triple for a hot dog with credit. So, so that was kind that's of a great story. that's a great metaphor. I mean, that, yeah. And I can visualize it while you're talking. I can see the ball coming and the person's, you know, a few strikes and then some fouls and all that, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's really, you know, it was a challenge. Like, how do you talk about someone's credit score without making them uncomfortable? Or it, it was it was a difficult thing, and and the concept. You know, it worked really well, and people loved. I hate to say it, but people love to see people like um, <laughs> that. They, they love to see people. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Well, yeah, they they love a train wreck. Let's put it that way, right? People love to see people. There's no one that doesn't like a good bean in the bean in the nether. You know, <laughs> nether region. So, so that was the pattern disrupt. That was the thing that kept people engaged. It's like, well, I want to see who else is going to get beaned with a a foul ball. You know, and fascinating. So you create this video. How long was it? Two, two and a half minutes. Okay, yeah. cool. So, our, so, so, what are you doing? Like this, the, this video is playing, right? Like you're, you're now targeting some people, and like talk to us about like, okay, the video's done. How does the sequence or you know funnel kind of work from here? Now that you've got your nice finished work. So that so that's what we call the top funnel video, and we usually only spend twenty to forty percent of our ad budget behind that video. And the rest of the budget is getting spent on the mid and low funnel content. So once someone has either watched a certain percentage of the, of the video and or been to the website, we're there now in our funnel. And so we start retargeting them. 
And, you know, we've got the dynamic retargeting based on which pages of the website they went to, whether or not they went to the checkout cart or they did the lead form, you know, depending on the action they took, they'll, they'll now get served a video. Real quick before you go there, what percentage, if they did not visit the website, what percentage of the video do you uh, say, okay, they're worth showing another video? 10, 20%. Oh, really? Okay. Got it. So it's pretty low. Okay. Perfect. So what we do is we look at the timestamp of where we introduce the brand and that's usually where we correlate the percentage watched. Ah. So, so we'll have some videos where we'll introduce the brand in the first 10 seconds. And, and this is interesting, Mike, over the last few years, um, we introduce the brand sooner and sooner uh, as virality becomes less important. Obviously, introducing the brand sooner right. um, decreases your, your virality. So just an interesting sidebar. Absolutely. So, okay. So they've, um, so you were, you were saying, uh, I had interrupted you, you know, like they visited the website or they've watched 10 to 20% of the video. Um, keep going. So now they get put into a sequence and the sequence is different every time, but they get, they get put into a sequence of customer testimonials, videos that are overcoming concerns, discounts, um, before and after videos, uh, product demos, um, you know, those, uh, those meme videos that have text overlays with music showing the product. And th- there's a good half dozen of types of categories of videos that will serve. But when we shoot f- for a launch, we'll, we'll really try to shoot every single thing that we can imagine. Like when, when I'm talking, we're shooting overcoming concerns. We're you, you mean fil- when you say shoot, you mean film, right? Film, yep. yeah, okay. Film, film, and/or design. You know, if it's if it's image based or or whatever. But we'll write down uh, a dozen concerns and we'll say, what you know, based on historic information or or just flat out assumptions. We're we're just assuming what could be a concern for someone. You know, is it price? Is it shipping? Is it quality? Is it um, is it trust in the brands? You know, what are all the things that could happen where the, the, the first video either misses it or, or the first video dials it, but they're still just concerned. Um, Question so about they, that. Yeah. I, I want to dig in on the concerns thing and the objections things because yeah. I think that's so fascinating. Are you using the spokesperson to film these concerns? Yes. Okay. And how are you coming up with these concerns? Are you getting data from the customer? Are you just guessing? Like what, where, where are you getting these objections? So usually it's from the customer service department of any company. What are their most frequently asked questions hmm. that they get, whether it's through social or email or phone calls? You know, what's what's the main cause of returned items? Um, and and then we're we're also adding whatever those are. We're also adding a lot of assumptions that we don't have information for, just in case. Like we launched a skincare brand called Nerd Skincare. They had only done twenty thousand dollars in sales and. We did four million in sales for them in eight months, and they led them to an acquisition. For them, there was no data, so we just shot like ten overcoming concerns video, and we just got lucky enough that one of those happened to be price, and that was the main concern. It was an expensive skincare product, and so people are, were getting retargeted with, especially people that were um, they were going to the, the cart but not purchasing. They're adding to cart but not purchasing. We would serve them a price video. And that video converted really well because a large percentage of people had a concern about how expensive it was. We had a video explaining why the price was a certain way. And that was uh, 
probably one of the most critical elements to make this thing have ROI. Okay, a couple quick questions here. Um, do you only target people who first watch the higher and long form spokesperson video and then abandon the sales page? Or are you also targeting people who just abandoned the sales page and never saw that initial video? We target all site visitors. So I see. Got it. Okay. Yep. Whether they're coming through our prospecting efforts or not, we retarget them. And the reason is, is there's a very low likelihood once someone comes to your website just from, well, I'll say this, it's really interesting. We can really only attribute about 60, 70% of our efforts. The rest of the efforts come through direct traffic or organic traffic. So right. someone sees the video, they never click the link, um, but they remember the brand name or the website and they go look at it on another device. We right. can't track that. Exactly. Um, or they're telling a friend about it or there's a second viewer behind them. So there's all these other unattributable things that happen that fire. And so so we retarget everybody that goes to the site, no matter where they're coming from. Perfect. Um, you mentioned mid-level to low funnel. Can you kind of help us discern what what's the mid-level versus the low level? It sounds like the objections and concerns is mid-level, but I might be wrong. Yeah, you know, that's we, we kind of almost group them together, to be honest. Um, the one thing that is definitely low funnel is discounts. Um, Talk to us about that. Well, discounts are your last ditch effort. Uh, and we sometimes will do like a seven, a 14 and a 21 day where the discount will get progressively uh, higher. Sometimes if it's a product that has a longer consideration time, we'll do, you know, a longer period of time. They won't get served a discount until like 20 or 30 days. And so what we're trying to do with the discount is we're trying to only serve that to people who who are not quite interested enough to buy it. But if they had a small discount, they would. And so we always test the what the percentage is and when do we serve that. Um, but that's just that's just trying to fill those holes, you know, of people that, right. that leave and it's never like, come okay, back. they're kind of useless to us. Maybe we have it because they haven't converted. This is our last chance to just see whether or not we can scrape some opportunity from this crowd before we ignore them. Is that kind of what I'm hearing you say? Exactly. Yeah. The, the, and, and I think another way to explain the difference between mid and low funnel is it's the level of aggressiveness. So mid level, we're still trying to somewhat entertain and educate, you know, by the time we get to the low funnel, it's very, very promotional. It's very aggressive. They're usually very short. They're, they're reminder based. We're past the phase of trying to get someone to understand us. And we're to the phase of like, look, buy or let's eject you from our funnel and stop bothering you. Mm. I want to talk about testimonials in a second, but you just did kind of hint at something. The length of these mid-level videos um, like overcoming your concerns or the testimonials, how long on average are these really short, like 30 seconds or are they longer? Help us understand a little bit about that. Yeah. On average, they're, they're five to 30 seconds for the most part. It doesn't quite apply. Testimonials are usually long. Right. Like with nerd skincare, actually we had a testimonial video that performed as well prospecting as our large production video did. And it was like five minutes long and it was just someone talking in front of an iPhone. So uh, let's pause for a second and come back to the testimonials. So, so these other things are really short is what I'm hearing you say, right? Uh, for the most part. 
And are they, are they, uh, what's the format? Are we, are we talking about like vertical video? Are we talking about like, uh, like, like for example, stories based videos, or are we talking about like square videos or are you just trying all different sizes and shapes? I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Nowadays we're square most of the time. Uh, of course on YouTube, we're always, uh, landscape, right. you know, but uh, on Facebook nowadays we're square for the most part. We're very, sometimes we're, we're actually reserving some space at the bottom for text on a on a blank background oh you that's know? cool yeah i've seen that before where you where you yeah. have the video like maybe uh either top and then you have some black space on the bottom or you have the mm -hmm. video with space on the top and the bottom and yep i, I would imagine and, you're baking in the uh the transcripts too or, or i mean the, the i mean you're making it so it works without audio right yes yep we always have subtitles and sometimes sometimes we'll just have basic subtitles sometimes we'll have um We'll have motion graphic text overlays for the whole video, and they'll switch positions, and you'll have it at the top, and then you'll have it at the bottom, and then you'll have a text on blank space, and then it, and then there won't be, and it's just trying to pattern dis to disrupt, pattern right? disrupt, yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about testimonials because this is so fascinating. Um, I mean, we were having our own little internal dialogue here in our company about testimonials because the hardest thing about testimonials is they cannot be communicated. In, in very, very short period of time, unless it's just a text testimonial, yeah. you know? So like, give us some of your wisdom on, on, uh, you know, we, there's obviously the anomaly you mentioned, like the five minute one, but, but like, how do we use testimonials given the short attention span of people on the social platforms? Right. Yeah. So, so more often than not, testimonials are a mid funnel thing. They, they, they typically don't do as well for prospecting because they're not very interesting. There's nothing happening. And and what what makes a testimonial work is when they're really raw, you, you know, a little grainy and shaky, and you know it's just someone in their house. Because it looks authentic. Exactly. So we never really shoot testimonials. It's we always use UGC stuff. User generated and, content. Yep. Okay. Yep. Good. So but it's not it's not super engaging. It's not fast paced. It doesn't capture your attention. So so we look at testimonials. They're usually things that you serve. Once people are already interested, they've already shown some interest. Now, every once in a while, we'll have anomalies. Like for skincare, skincare is very, very testimonial based because, you know, there's so much snake oil out there. How do you really know, you right. know if it works? But for a lot of other things, like no one cares to see a testimonial right off the bat. They only care to see it when they're trying to decide. But length, we I, I got to be honest, I haven't really, we haven't made any conclusions about length of a testimonial. And I would say testimonials are probably one of the most difficult things to predict. You know, when we have like one of our big production videos, we can usually say this is going to work or maybe this is not going to work so well. With testimonials, it's like a total crapshoot. And it's yeah, just you know, I, I've, we, we have so many people that come to social media marketing world that are absolutely amazing. But, um, we find that the only way that we can really use testimonials is like if we embed them on the sales page as part of a really fast moving video with B roll over the top and we're just barely seeing the person's face, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because then it's like part of a potential story, but man, we've really struggled with this because, you know, like in the written form, yeah, you know, just it's not a testimonial. I mean, it's it, it's not a, like a success story as much as it's just a quote, right? Like quotes work on sales pages, but like I think people just don't have the patience to watch someone else talk, right? I mean, mm -hmm. like, and if they're not an actor or they're not highly edited, I mean, I'm glad you're affirming what my experience has been. Um, you know, so I don't want to spend too much more time unless you have more to say on testimonials because I really want to talk about this before and after thing and if that works really well. 
yeah, testimonials is still the wild west for us. I got to be honest. It's, yeah, that's good to know. How about yeah, the before and after? How how successful is that? Because you kind of hinted that was one of the things that you do. Yeah. So of course, before and after only applies to certain you know product categories. The reason that video is really cool is because you you really can't do photo before and afters anymore for supplements or skincare or why is that? Uh, it, it gets flagged and shut down by Facebook's algorithm. Oh, okay. Because it's you, you know the affiliate world. That's where they make all their money, right? It's like the it's it's like some vegetable that looks like a phallic in some way, or it's it's some some woman's face being transformed with all these wrinkles to no wrinkles. And and it's like, it's total BS, you know, it's like, mm. what so, about, what about like cleaning products and stuff? I would imagine you could do before and after on that. Right. Couldn't you? Yeah. 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 Yes, definitely. Definitely. And so, so what we like about video for before and afters is you can get really clever in a way where you're not being spammy in, in, in Facebook or Google's eyes. Because anything that's like that affiliate, you know what I'm talking about, like that affiliate before and after spammy type oh, yeah, stuff. Absolutely. Facebook and YouTube, they 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 don't want users to feel like they're being spammed, like on some, you know. Yeah, they're selling hope, stuff. and that's not what people want to. You know, they don't want that. So, so I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, yeah. With nerd skincare, two thirds the way through the video, the spokeswoman Laura Clary, she starts doing a weather report to show a before and after, and we actually had the founder. We, we actually designed a helmet with a GoPro on her face, and she wore the helmet for seven days without washing her face and then started using, you know, the product, yada, yada. Yeah, but I we, saw that video, and, and, and she, her skin cleared up really quick, right? Yeah, and, and then we even went a step further, and we formed it as a weather report. So the spokesperson is like, you know, we've got some, uh, we've got some blemishes coming in from the north-northeast you know, and so we made it really creative. And so because of that, we didn't have any issues because before and afters are some of the most powerful, you know, there's been billions, billion dollar companies that have uh, established themselves because of the before and afters, like proactive, you know. And so yeah. those they're really powerful, but you have to get around the algorithms and try, try and make sure they're not spammy. You also mentioned demoing products. Talk to us a little bit about that, like, because obviously you mentioned this is part of like the mid-level thing. So, what does that entail, and what do we need to know when we're trying to demonstrate, you know, ideally a physical product? Obviously, yeah. So, so most products that are really interesting, you can sometimes even get in a top funnel video, whether that's just someone's hands using the product. Um, and there's all, of course, there's all sorts of creative of creative ways to do it, but. Um, you got to have every piece of the funnel imaginable. And what we found is that different people respond to different things. You know, there's so many personality types out there. Like we've decided that our high production, you know, these videos that we're spending 50, dollars $150,000 to make, we've decided that only half of people respond to that. And we've decided the other half of people, they're never going to buy from that. They want to see something raw that they feel like they discovered in the wild because they're skeptical. Hmm. They don't they don't want to see the brand doing something beautiful and polished and professional and quality. They want to see someone else talk about it or they want to see just they just want to see the product. They, they don't want to be persuaded. They don't want to be convinced. They just want to see the thing and go. We're talking like it. unboxing from unprofessionals with iPhones or what are we talking about here? anything and and we test we test everything so like it could it could still be like well produced 
usage of the product, or it could be something raw and UGC. And we kind of test everything because you know how it is, Mike. You'll just get these little nuggets in, in a piece of content that they just work. Right. And, and every once in a while, you'll get this piece of content that doesn't even exactly make sense why it works, but you can scale the thing to the freaking moon. I mean, we've had like very strange videos that we never thought would work, scale, and we've put a million, $2 million in ad spend behind them because they just convert so well. So so there's a ton of different ways to do product. I, you know, one of the best examples I've seen is um, that, that teeth whitening smile thing that all the like celebrities are doing. Like they've got, um, you know, they get Floyd Mayweather and they've got, I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't. I no, I haven't. Smile, something smile. But um, they have this video of this guy. He doesn't say anything and he just puts the thing in and they have really palpable audio and he's making these like almost ASMR sounds with his mouth. Yeah. You know, and then he turns the light on and then, and, and, and you're just, you just like can't look away for some reason, but it's just a product demo. Like there's nothing <laughs> incredible about it. Um, but that they're using that as a product. That's not our client, but yeah. they're using that as a prospecting video. And I, I think just judging by how many places I've seen, I think they're running a lot of spend behind that. Um, but sometimes the product can speak for itself, and sometimes it's the prospecting level. But sometimes it's the mid funnel, like you get the you get the long funnel video where they're educated, and then they kind of just need to see more of the product. You know, like one one example is uh, Mr. Cool. It's a DIY AC unit. We took them from uh, we took them from 10 million to 26 million in revenue in the last year. Wow. Uh, we're doing another launch here in a few months. And, you know, it's a really complicated product. And so one of our best mid-funnel pieces of content was just a, a, a one-and-a-half-minute fast-paced installation video. So someone sees it being installed, and now they have confidence that they can do it. And that's something that's a little harder to do, you know, in a top-funnel video where a spokesperson's explaining it. You've created all these videos, and, you know, you've got your, your top-level video, which is a spokesperson-focused video, and then you've got all these mid-level to low-level videos Obviously, that's not inexpensive to do this. And what kind of return, you know, should somebody expect from these kind of videos if they decide to try this on their own? Um, is this one of those kind of things where you got to be willing to lose some money in the beginning? Talk, talk to us a little bit. So I will say you don't have to spend a lot of money to be successful. We have seen brands scale into the, the tens of millions with with what you might consider to be pretty poor content. And that's usually the case when they have an incredible product that doesn't take a ton of persuasion and people just get it. I don't want any of our listeners to like come away from this thinking I have to do some huge production in order to be successful. We're talking good, better and best. It's all an odds game. And sometimes a brand will have a really basic piece of content. Let's just say it's just a photo of their product. Or, you know, one of the most popular formats that, that uh, smaller companies use is uh, like a meme video. It's like, it's like they'll take stock video, maybe some stuff that they have. They'll mix some testimonials and they'll put music behind it. And it's really fast paced and it's 30 second long. There's companies that have scaled uh, millions from those, that type of content. But we're talking the more you produce, the better it is, the more scalable you are. And that's why we make scalable social videos. It's all about scale. And um, you just get to a certain point where 
you've got to be more persuasive. You've got to be more engaging. You've got to be more entertaining. You've got to mean something more. So, so to get to the ROI question, and you know, Mike, this varies by all products, right? We have $1,200 AC unit products that we're selling, and then we've had, uh, we've had $18 deodorant you know, that we're selling. So obviously this ROI discussion is, it's, it's a massive variance depending on what it is. But I can generally say for most products, if you can break even on your prospecting ads, you're probably going to have good ROI. And we usually will say... When you say prospecting, you mean the high-end ads? So first purchase. So so we look at people who they see the first ad and then they go buy, I right? See. With, Got it. Without being retargeted. You know, it's usually within like a seven-day window or a 15-day window. That if you can, you, usually if you can get a one-to-one on that, so for every dollar you spend, you get a dollar back. You're probably going to be profitable and you're probably going to crush it. And some products like our AC unit, it's a one purchase product, you know, or like box mattresses, right? It's a one purchase product. Maybe someone will buy again in like three years. You got to make all your ROI, you know, on that purchase. But then you have your subscription purchases, like your low price point stuff that people buy every month. You may take a loss, you know, you may not get a one-to-one. That's okay. But the golden standard is if you can get a one-to-one on your first touch point, there's a very high likelihood that you will be able to get a two and a half, three, four, and if you're in the top 10%, a five-to-one return. So for every dollar you spend, you're eating $5 back. And that is over the lifetime value of the customer. That is awesome. Um, yeah. Well, Travis, um, very, very fascinating. Why don't you tell everybody where they can discover Chamber Media, where they can discover you, Travis Chambers, um, if they want to connect with you? Great. Thanks, Mike. So uh, all of our work is at www.chamber.media. There's no .com on that. .media is the, uh, the domain. And you can see a lot of our videos and our case studies there. And then I'm really active on uh, LinkedIn. And I post every few days there insights, a lot of insights on like entrepreneurship and, and a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about here. And so I would love socially to connect on, on LinkedIn, super active and responsive there. Anyone wants to uh, get a message that going more than happy to, to carry on a conversation. Travis Chambers, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. It was awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. I'm really honored to, to be on the show. I, I really appreciate it. Hey, do you like this podcast? Would you be willing to give me a review on iTunes? You can do so by simply visiting socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes. Or even just if you're in the uh, Apple Podcast app, you can just scroll up while you're listening to this app. And I'm pretty sure there's an opportunity to give me a rating and or a review. I would love it. I'd love to know what you think. By the way, you can get the show notes by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com slash 348. Again, socialmediaexaminer.com slash 348. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today. 
and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.